Having a beach hat in your to-market strategy increases the likelihood of startup success. And that is what we all want, don't we? In the previous edition, I explained what makes a good beach hat market. Um, if you missed that article, um, go to the website. You may find it. Uh, in this article, I will touch upon five beachhead expansion strategies. I went through a lot of blog posts, and most of them repeat the same chunks of information without actionable insights. And therefore, I'm writing a series on beachhead markets. Um, from your beachhead market, you can expand into a different market. And here are five expansion strategies. One is need or product-based. Two is vertical-based. Three is value chain expansion Four is location-based, and five is demographic-based. I will use the term beachhead quite freely. Um, sometimes the company that I use as an example already had a good grip on the market and fortified that grip with an expansive strategy. Still, I believe these can serve as an inspiration to improve your fit with the market. So the first one is need or product-based. And this is a strategy where you start from a captured niche um, that you capture with a single product or a single feature set. And then you will identify adjacent market needs uh, by developing products and features for that. I have a couple of examples for you. So here we talk about physical products first because they are harder to update like digital products. So Under Armour started with undershirt but expanded to many types of sports clothing. Likewise, Tropic Fields started with a single travel shoe on Kickstarter and now has a range of travel gear, including many shoe models, backpacks, and pants. As per the latest article, Tesla started with a premium Roadster car and now offers a mid-market car. Uh, if you are doing a physical product, building a physical product portfolio can help you to serve a variety of segments. And this strategy actually can work too for digital products. So a digital product portfolio can serve different segments. If you, for example, think about Adobe, they started with PostScript and sold a license to Apple. By the way, fun fact, that was the first company in the Valley to become profitable in the first year, according to some sources. Um, PostScript was software that allowed for consistent printing among a variety of devices. That was an issue back then. And Adobe from this developed into the company we know, launching Illustrator first and then Photoshop, which both serves different needs. And later we have the, diff the, the creative cloud with a whole bunch of products to serve different product uh, customer segments. Now, one benefit of digital products is the fact that you can just add features to it and by that improving your market fit. Uh, for example, Slack started as a spun-out chat app of a failed gaming company. They developed something in-house for communicating, and then their game failed, and they felt, oh, maybe we can market this thing. Slack 0.1 had very limited adoption. They had better customers like radio and medium, and from this, they quickly learned a couple of things. For example, they learned that they need to build for larger teams than they used internally at that failed gaming company. Instead of highlighting one specific feature, such as their integrations via chatbots that Slack also launched, you can see a constant improvement of the product, which increased the product market fit. And sometimes it's hard to draw the line where the mainstream adoption starts. And the difference between the Tesla Roadster and the Tesla Model 3 is very clear, but where did Slack start to become the mainstream product that we know? Um, if you talk to the people, or at least Lenny in this podcast did, or his newsletter did, um, Figma highlights that team libraries, that feature, uh, was a key accelerator to the mainstream market. 
So digital products are more easily expendable than physical products in the sense that you can add features to serve a broader segment. However, watch out for Swiss Army knives and feature creep. So here you should ask yourself, like, what are logical companion products to your product and what is the competition that is within your realm that you can already copy and offer within your suite? Um, make sure that you don't overthink this. The fact that Elon Musk had a strategy up front doesn't mean you need one from day one. Assume you are not Elon Musk. However, you should keep a vigilant eye out there for things you could offer in the future. But first things first, always focus on getting that beachhead market first. The second expansion strategy is a vertical-based expansion. What you do is you start with a niche, and that niche identifies as a certain product category, and later you will identify verticals for which you don't need to adjust your product or service heavily in those categories. This might be best explained with an example. For example, Amazon started in the vertical of books and now has expanded to basically any consumer product. Strava did a similar move. They started in running and cycling and now offer all cardio sports. Bumble started in dating and now also have matching services for friends and business. With any of these examples, you can imagine that the product alterations are quite low and that allows for easy expansion. Um, Strava frames themselves as a hiking app right now, but within hiking there are competitors such as Alltrails or Kamut who have a more dominant mountainy focus. The question is that if you go in another vertical that might work for some people, but it might not work for the diehards. And a vertical strategy is a great way to disrupt a existing incumbent. I always struggle with that word. For example, uh, Woppa is a Dutch platform that solely focuses on premium, premium design furniture, where we have a Dutch Craigslist that might feature that category as well. So here you can see how we would have a very a vertical approach versus trying to obtain an entire market segment. So in this strategy, you expand by identifying relevant verticals. And as a bootstrap fanatic, I always like vertical approaches, I have to say that. Um, I see many startups that want to be the platform or app for all verticals, but seldom that's an easy starting point. For instance, if your customer acquisition costs uh, are high, you need to serve 10 verticals at once, and then you need a lot of capital. So sometimes it helps to start dominating with one vertical and have an idea of which verticals you want to conquer later. Um, the good thing about vertical expansion strategies is that it allows you to quickly enter new markets because your product doesn't require much alter alteration. Uh, a book, For example, a book listing on Amazon or a DVD listing on Amazon are not all that different. The definition of a vertical can be a bit tricky because launching Uber Eats next to Uber Cab services is quite different. Um, before you expand into a new vertical, make sure that you estimate the resources you need for the execution of a new vertical because it's always higher than you expect. To reduce risk, it's better to do some experiments if you are in a platform, for example, if you can generate demand for that vertical. And you can even leverage your existing marketing channels so you can do some rapid experiments. Because maybe you built an entire product and then figure out, hey, nobody wants us to do this vertical. The third option of expansion strategies that I identified is value chain expansion. And what you do here is you start with a tiny segment of the value chain where you can directly offer value, and then you leverage that position to expand either upstream or downstream. 
So upstream means closer to the source and downstream means closer to the application. For example, Apple started to produce their own processors. That's what we call moving upstream, closer to the raw materials. And if Apple would offer in-home installation, that would be moving downstream. Neither of them is either right or wrong. It just should fit your business. And I have a couple of examples for you. I have to say this one is harder to find as up or down the value chain, different skills become relevant. And as a startup, you first become good at doing one thing like really, really well. And that is hard enough. For instance, it's closer to home for Strava to add a hiking vertical than to add a run coach matching platform. It's just a different type of business. Um, what Strava did is they added route planning. Uh, they moved up the customer journey. However, I wouldn't say route planning was a mainstream unlocking move. I know that people are paying premium for that. Um, I have a better example from a company called AccuSelect um, who wanted to enable homeowners to get home batteries. The downside with home batteries is that they are quite capital intensive, easily 10k or something. And as a start, they didn't have those resources to buy these batteries. But what they started selling was advice. So they created this calculator, like what kind of home battery would you need? Um, they got some traction there and were able to facilitate these people. Next, they added installer matching. So trying to sell these leads to installers. And they got some validation there, sold a couple. But they realized doing these experiments that people didn't really care about which battery. Uh, they just wanted one battery. They wanted them to tell the customer, like, you should take this battery. Um, so now they have their own part of the installers that wear their T-shirts when they come installed at home battery, offering a full end-to-end -end service. So you can see is that they slowly expanded um, upstream and downstream to get a better grip of this market. I also have two examples of in-housing delivery for a better market fit. Uh, for example, Coolblue is an e-commerce platform or e-commerce website in the Netherlands. That's quite yeah, quite a stronghold. Um, and they in-house delivery of washing machines. They offered end-to-end -end service with installation and taking away your old washing machine. And they would even carry it up for flights of stairs. Um, with that, they offered great service. I've used it. It's, it's pretty great. Um, interesting to see is that sometimes you can move up or down the value stream based on the moves of competitors. Uh, Thuisbezorgd, it's basically a Dutch Uber Eats competitor. They started a decade before Uber Eats. However, they started with an order-only platform and they relied on the delivery staff of the restaurants because quite some restaurants already had delivery staff. However, Uber Eats, they offered delivery services as well. And Thuisbezorgd added delivery service with their own fleet of drivers moving down the value chain of delivery. You can expand by moving up or down the value stream. Those are the two strategies. Uh, it can be costly because it requires an entirely different type of organization. Uh, for Apple, designing chips is different than designing computers. Because of this, not many startups want to overthrow their organization. They are currently still figuring out to build. And this might be the reason I couldn't find many startup examples here. But if you have some, I'm always eager to learn and update the article in hindsight. Now, you also can do location-based strategy. You start with a niche region, such as one city, and later expand to different cities one by one. Um, for example, Uber, they started in San Francisco and they went global. The dating at Breeze started in the Rotterdam area and later expanded to other cities. And for both Breeze and Uber, the needs of the customer are quite similar between cities and for Uber also between countries.
I read an article about Uber needing to f- figure out how do we deal with countries where credit cards are not that common. Those are like tiny adjustments that you need to design well for, uh, but still the product changes are relatively low. Location-based segmentation works particularly well for online and local services. Though. Um, focusing on the location allows you to focus your marketing efforts, especially for two-sided platforms where supply and demand should match. This is a clever way to define your beachhead market. You can offer your end-to-end service and see if you can provide value because the people in Amsterdam don't really care about a cab service in Paris. So you can expand from a location-based beachhead by shifting your marketing efforts uh, with aimed targeting such as the Instagram or Facebook uh, ads or aiming your cold outreach to a specific region. You can try to conquer city by city, region by region, uh, whatever is relevant to your startup. Then we arrive in the last category. It's demographic-based. You here target a niche segment based on the demographics to get traction within one community and then you expand by again shifting marketing efforts to other demographics for example facebook started with harvard students and slowly went to the rest of the u.s and eventually basically everyone tinder really started on campuses as well with threatened sorority houses where they went by one by one by showing the app to get people on board and now they're just targeting any single person Obviously, this is location-based too, but with a demographic layer built on top. So I'm not saying that you should never combine these strategies, but these are like ideal types, like archetypes of strategies, and you can mix and match. I will talk a little bit about that more later. Um, If your product serves a more general crowd, you can start niche and then shift the marketing efforts to different demographics, especially with the variety of targeting options that we find in Instagram and Facebook and other ad services, you can specifically aim your option. I have to say this demographic-based, I don't see it as much, uh, but it still can offer you some inspiration. All right, those were the five. Now I'm going to summarize and give you some extra tips here. Um, the best markets are those you can sell in. And this is, this is the, you, you don't get to pick a market. The, the mar- it's like... It's like the Wentz and Harry Potter, and the market will let you know whether you can successfully deploy such a strategy. Therefore, doing experiments on a variety of subsequent segments could be a wise move before going all in. Even if you are B2B, you can just pick up the phone and call 10 different segments, 10 companies each, to figure out where do I feel the most pull. Not everything needs to be a smokescreen test. Now, your choice is limited. So your initial value proposition and segment limit the options that you can expand. You just can't expand into any market because you lies the market. Um, Strava could have expanded into many directions on paper, but they chose to stay close to home. And there aren't many examples of companies besides Yamaha, they're making pianos and motorcycles, that serve widely different customer segments. And that, for me, is within, for good reason. Also, you're not married to your beachhead market segment. Um, You can drop it. Tesla did actually drop that initial market segment. They stopped building the Tesla Roaster in 2012. But almost 10 years later, Tesla is set to release a new Tesla Roaster, the second generation, somewhere this year. So sometimes you're launching customers in your beachhead market can be an anchor holding you back. And sometimes you want to cherish them for as long as possible. So you need some flexibility in analyzing what is what for your startup. And as I said before, you can combine. Sometimes a location-based, demographic-based and need-based approach is combined. 
um, you don't immediately sell to your entire country. You target HR recruiters in the Amsterdam area aged 30 to 45 because they have enough managerial experience to recognize a problem are open enough to new things on average and based on your interviews and you want to have a face-to-face meeting with all of them so that region allows you to do the calls. Whatever works for you, but it is important to set a goal for yourself here. All right, these were the five Beachhead Market Strategies, as always, you can read everything with the link in the description where there are some neat tables and some extra examples. Did you like the article? Well, you can vote. Um, scroll all the way down and you can say whether you liked it. If you need help expanding from your Beachhead Market or in general identifying your Beachhead Market, you can also just reach out to me and uh, maybe I can help you in my one-on-one mentoring service that I offer to startups. All right, this was Jeroen from I Want Product Market Fit. Until we speak again, see you.